Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. It's a news break today with the Church of England. I'm now considering moving to gender-neutral language. Yes, it will no longer be God the father it'll be a they or a them and they could even they could even take our father out of the lord's prayer welcome to the michael savage podcast the world is falling apart i don't have to tell you that we have a very special podcast for you today as ed sullivan would have said those of you who still remember ed sullivan we have a really special show for you today and kicking it off is this news story you're never never going to believe this the church of england wants a gender neutral god they're launching a liturgical pronoun project. The Church of Wokeness in England is going to uh, use more gender neutral language for God 
to create a more inclusive understanding of the deity. I never asked what the deity's gender identity was, but I guess that's an important question these days. Bishops at the Church of England are going to look at gendered language surrounding God later this year, which would see phrases such as our God, our God in heaven eliminated in favor of neutral or feminine alternatives, because some people within the church have claimed that associating God with men has resulted in sexism through the ages within the religion. Okay. And those questioning uh, the uh, gender identity of God said, we want bishops to provide more options for those who wish to use authorized liturgy and speak of God in a non-gendered way, particularly in authorized absolutions, where many of the prayers offered for use refer to God using male pronouns. Hmm. And the reverend, the right reverend, Michael Ipgrave, the bishop of Litchfield, so-called, said, we've been exploring the use of gendered language in relation to God for several years in collaboration with the Faith and Order Commission. And after some dialogue between the two commissions in this area, a new joint project on gendered language will begin this spring. This is while the country is being overrun by illegal aliens. They're worried about gender language for God. This is unbelievable. The move was criticized by Reverend Ian Paul, who serves in the General Synod, as well as the Archbishop's Council of the Church of England. And he gave his reason. He said, the fact that God is called father can't be substituted by mother without changing meaning, nor can it be gender neutralized to parent without loss of meaning. Fathers and mothers are not interchangeable, but relate to their offspring in different ways. If the liturgical commission seeks to change this in an important way, they will be moving the doctrine of the church away from being grounded in the scriptures. Well, the Archbishop of Canterbury disagrees and he declares God is gender neutral. More to follow. In addition to that, we're going to go all the way to the islands of Fiji and the Marquesas, which I have visited in my travels and my searching for God. We'll look into the Ten Commandments in schools, and then we're going to end with some personal stories that may relate to the fact that uh, I did grow up wearing dead man's pants because it's related to the fact that communism is soaking the nation. This is Michael Savage. I hope you enjoy our podcast today. The world is falling apart. If you disagree with me, then hang right up and don't listen. The world is falling apart on us. Many of us know that, particularly those of us who see what the left is doing to this nation. And again, I have to get political for one reason. The left hates God. The left hates religion. The left hates family. And the left is trying to destroy this nation which at its core is a Christian nation. Never forget this is fundamentally a Christian nation founded by Christians. You could say they stole it from the Native Americans. You wouldn't be wrong. The Native Americans were not Christians. They worshiped the Great Spirit. And I have seen the Great Spirit. I've been in enough remote places on earth to tell you I've been with people who have communicated with the Great Spirit. And I do not deny in my own life that there is a great spirit, a greater spirit than all other spirits. And we are part of that spirit, a giant fragmented spirit of which the great spirit is the greatest of all. And we are all part of that spirit. What does that actually mean? Is that gobbledygook, new age talk? You can take it for what it, what it means to you. All the years I have spent searching for healing plants in the South Sea Islands medicinal plants. I spent many years going in and out of Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, and the Marquesas, islands you never heard of. And I, I sat in villages 
through entire nights as I was collecting plants and talking with the people about healing plants and my plant collections are in seven herbaria around the world, meaning seven museums around the world. I don't want to name them. It's not important that I name them. Just know that I have done this. What was I doing it for? Well, I was uh, uh, looking for healing plants, collecting them, codifying them, saving them for future generations to study. But there was something deeper driving me to do this. I never understood it. All I know is that the nights I slept on uh, straw mats in villages, for example, in Fiji, with Fijian men, all black men, by the way, never knew about racism. They didn't seem to care that I was white and they were black. In fact, at night when we would sit up drinking kava kava, yangona, after a while, one would say to the other, you think he's Fijian? And others would laugh and say he's definitely Fijian because all we saw were our eyes in the dim light of the fire that was in that, that, that bure. So what does that mean? What am I looking for? What was I looking for my whole life? I've always been looking for God, to be honest with you. Now, my own religion, Judaism, I respect it, but it's a very difficult religion. Judaism is perhaps the hardest religion on earth to follow. It's filled with so many complicated rituals and complicated ideas that sometimes you can lose God in all of the rituals. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Have you become a victim of the timeshare trap? You think there's no way out? Well, Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has helped over 35,000 families out of financial hardship by getting them out of bad timeshares, and they may be able to help you too. Listen, if your timeshare agreement goes on forever, if you were told timeshares are a great investment, or your maintenance fees will never go up, you you need to get the facts about timeshare cancellation. For over 10 years, Wesley Financial Group has been dedicated to helping folks get out of a lifetime of debt by canceling their timeshares. So they created a free timeshare exit information kit that reveals how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation. To get your free timeshare exit information kit, simply go to iCancelTimeshare.com that's iCancelTimeshare.com. I'll say it one more time. iCancelTimeshare.com. Thank you very much. iCancelTimeshare.com. I remember once I was on a, um, a student ship to Europe. Oh, I don't know when, in the late 60s. It was the uh, motor vessel Waterman. <laughs> it had been a troop transport in World War II, and it was cheap. Cheap way to get to Europe, and it was packed with young people, myself amongst them, going to Europe for vacation to have fun. And we just partied all day, drinking, smoking dope, whatever we had to do. I don't remember. Actually, there was no marijuana on that boat. They would have thrown you over, overboard. But we partied at night. And I remember coming in. I was in a cabin of six people, six bunk beds. And um, we were all young people young in our 20s there was one older man i don't know how old he was but he was an old blind dutchman and i would ask him questions and when i got bored of everyone partying i would go down and talk to him about many things and i'd ask him you know what is the meaning of life i was always that kind of kid i always wanted to know the deeper meaning of life so you know he said many things to me this old man but one of the things he said was you can reduce all religions to one statement which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you he said i think all religions come down to that. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
But to the Jewish people, there's a thing called the Ten Commandments. It's written in Exodus, the book of Exodus, the books of Moses. Exodus is one of them. Exodus, the first chapter, right? Oh, what does that say? Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Exodus twenty twelve to 14. Are those good rules to live by? Think about that. The Ten Commandments used to be in public schools in New York City when I was a kid. Right. Not religion, but at least the kids knew what the rules were. Take a look at the animals now in the schools today. Nothing is taught to them about morality. Nothing. And look what's happened. Take a look. It's like a zoo. Like a zoo. Chimpanzees behave better than most of the children in schools in big cities today. Because they have no guidance. They have no goalposts. They have no commandments. They have no belief in this world or the next. So they commit every crime under the sun. They spit on their father and the mother if they have one. They'll murder you at the drop of a hat. They'll fornicate like a mink. They'll steal if they want to. They'll lie if they want to. They will covet everything in their sight. They'll take anything they can grab. Why? Because there's no religion left in our schools because of the atheists who have taken over our schools. So what good are the Ten Commandments? Very good. Really very good. And I believe that even in our secular schools, the Ten Commandments should be put back onto the walls of our schools. That's what I believe. And it'll never happen, not with the ACLU and the left-wing vermin running this, the schools that we have. But let's look at the Ten Commandments for a minute and see if they have any meaning to you. Number one, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God have given thee. What does that really mean? What about those of us who have had trouble with one or both of our parents? Does it mean we must worship them? No, it doesn't. See, this is the problem. Some of these statements are translated from the ancient Hebrew, but we don't even understand them. I once asked a thoughtful religious woman what this meant. She herself had had continuous problems with her own mother. And she told me a long time ago, no, it does not mean blind worship of your parents. It means you should honor that you come from your father and your mother. And that gives us a concept of belongingness, of an origin, of a root, of who we are as beings, who we come from, that we were not born unto ourselves. It does not mean we must worship our father and our mother, especially if we have a very difficult relationship with them. And what about the other commandments in the Old Testament of the Jewish people? Do they not speak for themselves? Thou shalt not murder. What does that mean? You have to read a book on that one. The Hebrew word is very interesting. It says murder, not kill. You are permitted to kill in war, in self-defense. Murder is quite different from kill. Think about it. We do not have to define the other commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness, not covet thy neighbor's house, not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. They're all self-explanatory. 
the two most interesting words in the passage are those regarding murder as opposed to killing and the concept of what honor thy father and thy mother means. And I hope I have helped you understand that today. Honor thy father and thy mother, but you don't have to worship them. Then this is saying from Isaiah, the child shall behave insolently against the aged and the base against the honorable. For a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father. Thou hast a mantle, be thou our ruler, and let this ruin be under thy hand. What does that mean? I'll let you figure it out. What about an eye for an eye? Exodus contains all sorts of rules about an eye for an eye, which again are self-explanatory. We don't live in an eye for an eye world, and many of us feel that the justice system is flawed because punishments do not seem to fit the crimes, and so many guilty get away with it, especially our corrupt politicians. It seems to most of us that the true criminals are not punished sufficiently or at all. We see the crooks at the top of the pyramid. Let me give you an example. Exodus 21:26 says, If a man smite the eye of his bondman or the eye of his bondwoman and destroy it, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. And if he smite out his bondman's tooth or his bondwoman's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. What does that mean? It means an eye for an eye, more or less. It says to give them freedom to compensate for injury. Is that an eye for an eye? Earlier in 2122 of Exodus, it says, If men are working together and hurt a pregnant woman, they must pay a fine. But if they accidentally kill the baby, it says, If any harm follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, strike for strike. That's pretty heavy. Do we want to live in such a world? No, we do not. Do we want to live in Saudi Arabia where they cut the hands off thieves? Some of us would say yes. It would straighten America out. I would say no. On the other hand, when we live in a world that is ruled by liberal judges, where the courts are run by liberal lawyers, where there does not seem to be much punishment for some crimes, we're now all asking ourselves how we can make the pendulum swing to a more equitable justice system where the guilty truly are punished. That's my interpretation of Exodus and where we are today. You get that? An eye for an eye? Not necessarily. In a while, I'm going to talk about the Garden of Eden. That's an important one, because many of us want to live in a Garden of Eden. But can we find it here, in this fallen world of ours? Michael Savage, a host like no other. We're all living in broken times. I don't think there's a person listening to this podcast, or frankly, any other podcast, of any substance that doesn't know that we're living in broken times. I don't care if you're a leftist or a rightist. Maybe the left is celebrating the fact that America is broken because they broke it. But I'm not celebrating that. I'm celebrating the fact that we're going to save this nation from the left-wing communists. Make no mistake about it. The squad, Joe Biden, George Soros, and their ilk, including the media like Jake Tapper, are purposely destroying the United States of America, tearing it down, blowing it up as fast as they can. There's a reason for it. They think they're going to rebuild some ideal, beautiful world. The hell with it. Now, how did this happen? How did we permit this to happen? How did such low lives like Bernie Sanders, a lifetime bum, leech, communist, how did he wind up the head of the Senate Finance Committee? How? How is this bum who never ran a lemonade stand in charge of the national budget, where only one or two votes stands between us and a total disaster? How did this happen? 
It happened because of us, because we're too tolerant. We looked the other way and we said, oh, you know what? We can't do anything about it. Oh, well, there's another reason for it. Here's another question. How is it that you have animals running through the streets of New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago? You name the major city. Animals running through the streets, breaking into stores, robbing stores, beating up old women, pushing Asians to the ground, punching them in the face, spitting in the face of police. How did this happen? You saw a picture of a little three-year-old kid, a child in diapers trying to beat up a cop. The cops, by the way, were African-Americans. They were sent there to arrest a murderer. The child looked just like the father with the same posture, the hands back, spitting at the cop, calling them names, calling him bitch. In diapers, the country is going to face this for 50 years. How did it happen? Well, it happened in many ways. And I would say it started when they took the Ten Commandments off the walls of our schools. Now, hold on now. You see, gee, that's simplistic. You're wrong. Call it simplistic if you want. When I was young, and that was a long time ago, admittedly, and I wasn't religious, I went to a public school in the Bronx. Every school room had Ten Commandments, the Bible's Ten Commandments on the walls. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not th do this. Thou shalt honor thy mother and thy father. Now, we don't learn in this school. As I said, I went to a public school in the Bronx, New York. Kids tend to drift off while they're in school, and they look at things that are on the wall. We had the Ten Commandments and the American flag to look at. Now they look at Johnny as two mommies or put on your skirt and get on your hands and knees in an animal outfit. Take a look at what we have in the Health and Human Services Department, that freak that Biden put in there. A freak, a 60-year-old man in a dress and a skirt with his freak friend appearing at the French embassy, dressed up like two freaks in a Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey show. This country right now is under a senile Mussolini where the radical left, insane people are running the country. But let's go back to the issue of when did the country start to unravel. In my opinion, it's when they took the Ten Commandments out of the schools. Then we have to add in the horrible situation of the molestation of boys by priests in the Catholic Church. And a lot of people stopped going to church. They had no faith in the church. They should have lost faith in some of the priests, not in the church. Then you had the liberal synagogues becoming nothing but churches without crosses. So many Jews lost their way. You don't even hear God anymore in these reformed churches. You don't really hear much about God in reformed synagogues. It's just mumbling and ritual. I call them bagels and lox Jews. So in other words, when religion was removed from our schools, when religion was removed from our uh, liberal churches, when religion was turned into something other than religion and a worship of God, when the Protestant churches were largely taken over by radical leftists, leftists be they lesbians or gays or communists, who are now aping the words of priests, that is what you have. You want me to tell you what I think? This is what I think. I know maybe it makes you uncomfortable. Maybe you're going to get mad at me to hear what I'm telling you. But I'm telling you again, once you take away the Ten Commandments and you say anything goes and you have the mumbo jumbo and the gibberish, you have America in decline, a collapsed America. So I ask you, my loyal listeners, mainly those who subscribe to the Savage Nation, to the Michael Savage podcast, 
those who pay the monthly fee, those who get a chance to communicate with me directly because I ask them questions. I ask them, is religion still relevant in America? And I got some very interesting replies, which I'm going to read to you right here on the Savage Nation podcast. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Now, I don't want my children's children to inherit a broken nation. I don't want my grandchildren to inherit a land whose people fled tyranny only to bring tyranny here. Everything so many backward migrants run from, they bring with them. You think those fentanyl dealers coming over the border and their front women and children don't bring their hatred, their bigotry, their small-mindedness, their religious extremism, and their murderous tendencies? No, you'd be crazy if you didn't think that that's what they're bringing in here. They're flooding America with as millions of them as fast as they can. America was not built on the values that are being imported into this country. She was built on the backs of immigrants who knew how to work, not how to work the system. On immigrants who learned the language, not corrupted it. They didn't speak their native language and say drop dead to English. They all embraced the hard work ethic. There was no welfare state. It was a love for God that they brought with them. A desire to build, not tear down. Why do we have so many destructive, useless, unproductive, illegal aliens today? Because nobody is screening them. The dregs of humanity are being brought into America. And don't lie to me and tell me there's an Einstein amongst them. I will repeat to you again, most of the illegal aliens that Biden is dropping all over America are illiterate in Spanish, let alone English. Their own countries don't want them. They're of no value to them. It's no longer give us your tired and your poor. On the Biden, it's give us your loafers, your freeloaders, and your drug dealers. You may say I suffer from xenophobia. Not in the least. I'm the son of an immigrant. But there's a right way and a wrong way to handle immigration. What happened to the days when people coming to the sacred soil pledged to make America first? What happened to working toward a common good? not a common bad or a common handout. Unless those of you listening to my voice grab the wheel and put a stop to this twisted joyride of Joe Biden, your grandchildren will not inherit the paradise you inherited. A paradise, I might add, that was secured by the blood of Eddie. Eddie, in case you forgot, is a soldier who is lying in a shallow grave buried all over Europe. He's the one who paid for your freedom. What are you going to do with the legacy handed to you by Eddie, who bled to death on Omaha Beach, or was shot down over the skies of Europe, who died all across the chain of islands in the South Pacific, who risked his life and lost it? Would you preserve it, cherish it, and pass it on to your children's children? Or would you, in good left-wing fashion, snub your nose at Eddie's sacrifice because he wasn't culturally diverse? I'm going to ask you, why did honorable men and women like Eddie serving in our military sacrifice their lives for this country? So you could suck white powder up your nose? So you could molest the Boy Scouts? 
so you could watch pornography 24-7 on your iPhone, so you could tax the tax on my last dollar to pay for some illegal alien or for some socialist government program. That's the position of the red diaper doper babies under Biden. So where have seven or eight decades of radical mad dog liberalism brought us? I'll tell you where. America is teetering on the cliffs of insanity. Lady Liberty is about to have a mental breakdown if it gets any worse. And the leftists will be the ones with the padlock and the straitjacket. You need proof? Just look around you and you'll see what's going on. And you'll see what rotten fruit liberalism has produced. Whether it's in the city, at a state level, or a federal level. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. Now they want reparations for blacks who never suffered from slavery. There's a lot more. You notice the founding fathers are out. The framers are in. The rad femmes say this new generic label in textbooks called framers will be less sexist and more tolerant. Oh, there's so much going on. We have to be more vigilant than ever. We must remain alert and aware of the people and institutions that encroach on the values we hold dear as Americans. I'm not just speaking of the terrorists in dirty nightshirts who are coming over the border disguised as Mexicans. No, we must fight for our freedom on many fronts, including on our own soil, within our own government, within our educational system, within our courts, and especially within the media. I don't mean fight with guns. I mean the cultural mental fight. Whether you know it or not, the enemy is in, and a lot of them are here. They hate our freedoms. Some of them are representatives. Some of them are lawyers. Some of them are state senators. Some of them are mayors. Some of them are just plain psychotic street thugs. Many of them are in the media. 99% of them are in the media. They're all homegrown haters of America. You know, growing up in the Bronx as I did, I was the man child in the promised land. I didn't have many of the luxuries most kids with their hat on backwards take for granted today. My father was a first generation immigrant. He worked his fingers to the bone. We simply didn't have the money to afford more than the basics. So as you might expect, I cherished and took care of the things I had. As a kid, I'd line up my shoes under my bed at night, neat like in the military. I made sure they were polished too. I'm sure some shrink today would say I suffered from ADD or some obsessive compulsive disorder and I should have been put on an immediate regimen of medication. I wonder what a shrink would say about the fact that through most of my youth, I wore secondhand pants from dead men. You got it right. I'm absolutely serious. Many of the pants I wore as a preteen came off of stiffs and were cut down to fit me. Don't get me wrong. My father was a good man. He ran a small antique store with mostly 19th century stuff. On the side, at least in the beginning, he sold used goods as well. Man's got to do what a man's got to do to make ends meet, right? Occasionally, we'd go to an auction where a man had died and buy the entire estate. The dishes, the mirrors, the clocks, whatever the man had, the pants, the shirts, the whole deal. You got the picture. He'd buy it from the widow. He'd take the stuff back to the store. And as he sorted the stuff for resale, my father would take a closer look at the suits. Once he got a heart shafter and mark suit from a dead man. Now, what's he going to do? Toss it in the garbage like they do today? In those days, it wasn't in him to throw out a good worsted fabric. Instead, he brought home the pants to me. I remember my father showing them to me like the head tailor at Nordstrom's department store. He'd say, now, Michael, get a good look at the fabric. I wanted to vomit. I got a migraine because I knew what was coming. Take a look at the quality of this fabric. He's working me like a salesman. He's unrolling the pants in the bed. I can see it to this day. 
He unrolls them like he's selling me a bolt of handwoven cloth. He would say, you can't get fabric like this just anywhere. I wanted to say, of course not, Dad. They only sell stuff like that for men who died. You know, it was like special clothing for the undertaker. Even if I had said something, that wouldn't have changed anything. He'd go downtown, and the pants would come back fit for me, you know, without the legs taken improperly. They ended up baggy, like a pair of Charlie Chaplin's pants. Even if they had fit me properly, there was something repugnant about the whole idea. So here's the connection. Today, almost daily, the leftists from both political parties come into our homes peddling some new entitlement programs or some new right or a new educational initiative or a new welfare program. As they roll out their new one-world socialist ideals that went out of fashion decades ago, we feel nauseated. Why? These posers are offering us nothing more than dead man's pants. Ideas history has demonstrated does not work. Un-American ideas, socially dangerous ideas, ideas that should have been buried long ago, thrown in the garbage. Or in fact, they were. So the next time a liberal Democrat proposes an expansion of government-funded health insurance for all illegal aliens, think dead man's pants. The next time Biden blasts a tax cut as a means to boost the economy while proposing to provide illegal aliens every benefit under the sun, think dead man's pants. If one of the reverends like Jackson or Sharpton spouts off about reparations, think dead man's pants. When the National Education Association pushes school-based support groups for gay and lesbian or LGBTQ students, think dead man's pants. When Congresswoman Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi advocates providing government-funded health care coverage and every benefit under the sun for every child in America, think dead man's pants. You see, every one of these ideas may sound good on the surface until you consider their roots. Let me put it to you this way. These concepts are based on the notion that it's the government's job to provide a chicken in every pot, a pot and a bed in every house, and the key to a house in every pocket. What does that sound like? How well do you know history? This is nothing short of socialism. The Dems are creating a state wherein the sheeple, the ignorant incompetence, are dependent on the government. Their view of utopia is the creation of a Nancy Pelosi state. That's precisely what communism is about. Getting rich at the top and soaking the middle class until it disappears. Here's how it works. Let's say these libs are dangling the dead man's pants in front of your face. You know what they really are, but you figure, eh, take them away, nothing at all. You figure you have no other options. After all, nobody else is presenting you with a better option. The Republicans have become silent. So you talk yourself into believing the dead man's pants can't be all that bad. And that's when they've got you. Once you empower the left-wing government to provide these so-called initiatives a power you won't find granted to them in our Constitution, then they can start to regulate what you must do with your dead man's pants. For instance, a private Christian college whose student body is funded in part by government loans might now suddenly be required to hire a multi-culty dancing transsexual to teach their Bible classes or face defunding along with a lawsuit. Or a private Catholic school that enjoys a tax-exempt status might be required by Nancy's government to teach students talking about touching or trans rights in sex ed or tell them that the prostitution that used to be outlawed in America is something good for children. 
Are you beginning to get the big picture? Give the government an inch, and they'll take you to the cleaners. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. You know, there's another part to the story of my dead man's pants that I just told you. Let's spin the clock forward in my life. I'm in junior high now. By the seventh grade, my mother took pity on me, so she spends the money and buys me some expensive peg pants. I'll never forget how beautiful they were. It was Elvis Presley time, you know, with the saddle stitching and all of that. I was now the style setter of my class with these gorgeous pants. One day at school, this big punk, a few grades ahead of me, spots me wearing my new pants. He's maybe 17. I'm all of 13. He works his way, actually I was 12 or 13, he works his way towards me in the hall and starts to get in my face. Why? He didn't like my pants because he had a pair of peg pants just like them. Before I know it, this bully starts to smack me around a little. With a shove to my chest, this mean SOB knocks me down and takes off. When I get up, my pant knee is ripped. I'm feeling sick. The rest of the afternoon, my heart is pounding all through my classes. I couldn't concentrate. I had no idea what the teacher was saying. All I was thinking was, my mother's going to kill me. I ripped those pants. So the pants are ripped, and I can't focus on math or world history. I'm too preoccupied wondering how am I going to tell mother. I walk home in the ice cold, and all I can think about is the rip in the pants and the shreds over my knee. I get home and break the news to my mother. She was really very nice about the whole thing. She takes them to a tailor, and the word comes back two days later that he can weave the pants Weave, I asked? What does weave the pants mean? It was a huge family discussion. Of course, not in front of my father. The women, it was like a conspiracy. The women then always sat with the bread knives over the plastic table cover, moving the breadcrumbs around as they talked, sorting them. I loved those days. She explained how the tailor would weave the pants, weave the threads of the fabric into almost as good as new shape. I felt like a, like a life sentence had been lifted from my heart. I rejoiced inside that I hadn't ruined this great present given to me. By the time the crumbs were sifted, the pants were more or less consigned to where they belonged to begin with. See, unfortunately, if you rip your pants today as a kid, you'll probably come home to an empty house, thanks to the feminist who devalued the high calling of motherhood. Instead of coming home to a mother who'll hug and greet you and serve you something to eat while you pour out your heart, your best friend is now an iPhone. How can I help you? Or some internet stranger in a chat room halfway around the world. Or some pervert in the next town posing as a friend. What kind of life are we offering kids today? When a child is hurting, an iPhone never bakes her cookies. And it sure doesn't listen to or care about the child's problems. I guess I was lucky. I had a mom who was there for me. So my heart was healed and we all went on with our lives. Now, I really don't care if you think I'm being sentimental. Those were the good old days when women had time to drink a cup of coffee together and sift the breadcrumbs on the tabletop. What's wrong with that? Wouldn't we all be better off with that kind of support? Here's the tie into modern liberalism and the enemy within. When I said there does not appear to be many options on the table of politics besides the liberal dead man's pants, there are a number of reasons for this, but one primary reason. Let's say you have a new conservative idea for improving education, like providing vouchers so all students can pick a school where real education takes place, or something like that. 
the moment you put that idea into action of how to save America, a left-wing bully comes along and knocks it down, right? Perhaps you have a faith-based skill-equipping outreach to the homeless bums on the street. The second this bully learns you've figured out how to solve the homeless problem, to put them to work, or give them blankets and bottled water if they go to work, he screams, separation of church and state, and slaps you with a restraining order to close the thing down. Or let's say you want to raise the American flag on the front lawn of the local library and tie a ribbon around the old oak tree in honor of the troops. The same bully who tears the crosses off of our war memorials shows up and drags you into court to remove those, quote, divisive symbols of patriotism. Well, who is this bully? The red diaper dopa babies of the American Uncivil Liberties Union and every rotten, stinking left-wing lawyer in America. That's who. They start by intimidating you with lawsuits. They smack you around with their bogus lawsuits. They wrap themselves in the Constitution and shut you down like a criminal. We're losing control of this country. I can't stand the way these self-righteous ambulance chasers are raping America with their neo-socialist worldview. You might be wondering, how do we get this way? How did this happen? It seems everywhere we turn, some radical leftist is dictating and selling us dead man's pants or suing us if we don't put them on. I thought America was a superpower. The answer is, my friends, the answer is in the wind. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. I'm not here to blow my own horn. I'm here to show you two things. One, no matter how hard I and we have worked, no matter what Donald Trump tried to do for those few years, the radical left is more insane than ever before. So I ask you, what hope is there when the enemy is in and everywhere? Where are they? They're everywhere. If you analyze both sides of the equation, left and right, you'll have to agree with me that the right wing supports God, country, family, the military, and has far higher moral standards than the left. No question about it. The left operates specifically to undermine God, country, family, and the military, and of course, attack the children, brainwash the children. And they use the courts to undermine the popular will. What they cannot gain through the ballot box, they gain through the gavel. If you look at recent decisions in the courts, other than all the way up to the Supreme Court, you will see the vast left-wing conspiracy at its worst. Legitimizing the use of race as opposed to achievement. Destabilizing family values. Left-wing operatives have come very far in their plans with a much help. A li- I was going to say a little help from their friends with a lot of help from George Soros and others of his low-class ilk. It's very clear to me Michael Savage, if God could vote, he would be a member of the vast right-wing conspiracy, which is why they will now attack God himself. I've told you that. 
In fact, to the mad dog leftists in the ACLU, the National Lawyers Guild, and the Democratic Party, not to mention the media, God himself is the enemy. And so I have to tell you that the extreme left for all these years has attempted to redefine family and patriotism among other clearly evident concepts. They've redefined marriage to conform to their own perverse worldview and to redefine patriotism to mean stabbing our troops in the back, attacking our police while they're trying to stop the fires in the cities. What I'm trying to do in this podcast is alert you to the meaning of the most basic concepts of family, nation, and morality by pointing out how internal enemies are in fact undermining our religion, schools, courts, military, media, and police. I hope to continue to act as Paul Revere did in his time. If I were given to comedy in this serious battle for the future of America, I might say my midnight call would be, the liberals are coming, the radicals are coming, the progressives are coming. Unfortunately, they're here already, and these times do not lend themselves to comedy. Moreover, as I said, the liberals aren't coming. They're everywhere. The damage they're doing and have done is very difficult to calculate. The precise connection between extreme left-wing pressure groups and outright criminal activity is very difficult to separate, but I assume that it does exist. Why do I say this? Did you hear what I just said? The connection between extreme left-wing pressure groups and outright criminal activity is difficult to determine. I believe criminals are behind a lot of their activities. I believe criminals are behind these left-wing DAs. Why else would they put in DAs who do not arrest fentanyl dealers in San Francisco? Now, hold on. Many of you are under the impression that civil libertarians are sincere in their desire to protect our liberties from an oppressive government. Well, at least that's the message. They have sold you for decades. If that were the case, how would you explain what's going on in this country? The U.S. Justice Department is using the USA Patriot Act not only to fight terrorists, but also to attack anyone who doesn't support Joe Biden. They should be attacking child pornographers, drug traffickers, blackmailers, spies, money launderers, and even corrupt foreign leaders, right? But the answer is that the red diaper doba babies in groups such as the People for the American Way and other groups like them, like the ACLU, have been attacking America, especially the police and military. And they even said the following, quote, what the Justice Department has really done is to get things put into the law that have been on prosecutors' wish lists for years. They've used terrorism as a guise to expand law enforcement powers in areas totally unrelated to terrorism. And now, of course, they're attacking those from the January 6th period, that day of infamy, by the way, to attack Americans, some of whom did nothing but show up to protest the vote, by the way. That's all they did. I want to go back in time and tell you about a near-death experience that taught me one of the most important lessons of my life. I was 17 years old. That's right. I was 17 years old and working as a busboy in the Catskill Mountains in upstate New York, you know, the Borscht Belt. One afternoon, my friend Harry suggested we take a break and drive around the narrow mountain roads for an hour or so to relax before serving the hotel guests another of their seven meals a day. His car, his idea. Well, off we went. At one point, Harry started speeding like kids will do down a steep two-lane stretch of mountain blacktop. On our right, the jagged rocks 
of the mountain that were blown out by dynamite to create the road. And they threatened to puncture the car like a giant can opener. On the left, just to the other side of the oncoming traffic, was a cliff falling down about 100 feet into a dark, cold river. I started to yell at him. I'll never forget it. I said, Harry, you're going too fast. And that's what I looked in his eyes. I can still see them all these years later. He was crazy. He went completely insane. His hands gripped the wheel so hard his knuckles were white. Me, I'm thinking maybe Harry's never been down this road before. Maybe he's clueless about joyriding on the edge of a mountain. Could be he was drunk or a suicidal maniac. Whatever the reason for his maniacal behavior, I figured we were both dead. I shouted again, slow down, idiot. In that moment, looking at his glazed over dilated eyes, he looked like a deranged psycho. This half-wit wouldn't even hit the brakes. He sped down the hill while I'm screaming, stop the goddamn car. The idiot lost control. Have you ever been in an out-of-control car, even for a few seconds, on the ice? It's a terrifying experience. Back then, unlike today, cars didn't have airbags. Only a few models had seatbelts. We had neither. We were crash test dummies without a prayer. No matter what Harry did with the wheel, when that car was careening, it was too late. We careened out of control. Like a pinball, we first slammed into the side of the mountain. A split second later, we shot across the road and flipped over. That's when my head smacked the dashboard with a boom. It's a miracle we didn't go off the cliff and I'm still alive. Now, there's a lesson about the future of America in that story. America is that car. Whoever is in the driver's seat determines whether we as a nation will crash and burn or survive and hand the keys to the next generation. You better read that again. It all boils down to the heart and soul of the driver. Does the driver respect the laws of the land? Or does he take the law into his own hands to do as he pleases? Will the driver exercise some modicum of common sense? Or will he disregard the warning signs that clearly show desperate corrective measures are needed? Will he preserve what was passed down to him? Or will he selfishly squander what he inherited? Today, Joe Biden and the fanatics have seized the wheel of that car. They're speeding down the pathway of good intentions. Their mantra celebrate perversity, embrace ultra-tolerance, pay rape nations so-called reparations, support affirmative action, support affirmative racism, provide government subsidies for every illegal who sneaks across the border, and bring in millions of them, as many as you can, and do so through the judges if they can't win at the ballot box. In their haste to push failed socialist ideals, these psycholibs have placed us on a crash course of total destruction. But some people can't see that, can they? They're sitting in the back seat with headphones on or watching TV, or they're hooked on the, the Internet. I say it's time to sit up, wake up, and take notice while there's still time to apply the brakes. America is headed for a fatal social crash. Am I overstating the danger here? No, I don't think so. Not at all. The homeless are the sacred cows of the streets. The sexual deviants are the teacher's pets. The lawyers twist the system in favor of the criminals they represent. The churches have been silenced while the courts legislate immorality. And patriots and police are censored while dung slingers are subsidized. Hmm, you get it? These diehard irreligious leftists are also the driving force in re-education. The professors at the institutes of lower living 
shove failed Marxist ideology down our children's throats. Students are required to open up and just say, ah, if that is they want a passing grade. And if the extremist National Education Association had its way, children as young as first grade will undergo sensitivity indoctrination, meaning taught that boys are girls and girls can be boys. I can't speak for you, but I'm not going to sit here and watch television while the leftists drive America over the cliff. I've already been down that road. What's beyond me is how anyone can sit by while America is being destroyed. My love for America and my fears for my children and my future grandchildren compel me to speak out. And that's what I'm doing today. You see, the enemy is in because the enemy within has been an octopus. In its mind is liberalism and its eight tentacles are strangling the government, the church, the courts, the schools, the media, military, the police and healthcare. You might say this podcast is a call to awaken. It's time we break the death grip that liberalism has on these institutions of American life. Liberalism is a mental disorder. It's a destructive contagion more deadly than any force this country has ever faced. As you will find later in this podcast, it is also a canker sore that seeks to silence anyone who dares to speak the truth. It is an illness that would have us dismantle our borders, language, and culture. Did you get that? Modern distorted liberalism is the enemy in. I'm Michael Savage. Pay close attention to what I'm telling you. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.